With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Freezes all the time. hola como están djs Oh, what's up? Get him, Juan. Get him. Hit him with some real Spanish, Juan. Lord, help me. Oh, gringo, where do I even begin? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, he married a Colombian, so he wasn't going to learn any better anyway. That's true. Travis only speaks the language of love in Spanish. Nah, he just knows enough Spanish to know when he's in trouble. Punta Madre, pinche bro. That's what that's when I knew something was about to go down on the soccer field. Spanish is a romance language until it comes out of the mouth of an angry Latina mother. Ninth play of the opening drive of this game. David Blau to throw. Poncico! Touchdown, Pitty! Blau launches. Terry Wright. Launches deep ball again. Terry Wright for the touchdown for the lead. Evans, he got it. Ball is on the turf. Iowa picks it back up and tries to lateral it. That's a forward pass. This ball game is over. Welcome to the Hammer and Ales podcast. This is T-Mill. I'm back this week. Had to take a break last week as I started a new day job. And the last couple of weeks have actually been kind of harried and Juan was traveling. So we're not getting to it until Thursday night here. But we are here to recap our third 
ranked win of the season over the Iowa Hawkeyes. And also preview Minnesota, who will be playing in, by the time you guys listen to this, maybe in 24 hours. Uh, with us, as always, on the left coast is Juan. How are you doing, Juan, from the new California Republic? It's the best coast. Thank you very much. And uh, what, Drew, what, 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 what is all the noise going on back there? Sorry, sorry. I was trying to get comfortable. I was trying not to freeze to death. It's so cold. Oh, I was, that, that was that was me turning my fireplace on. What kind of fireplace do you have? Oh, it's one of those like really Sounds cool. Like a clunker. Uh, yeah. Well, no, he said no. turn the fireplace on, so he has a Girl Scout fireplace since he's not a real man starting a wood fire. Hey, man, it came like this, and all I have to do is hit the on button on the remote, and I get I get like a nice warm fire. I don't even need to turn on a fire in my apartment. There might be one starting up maybe a few blocks away. <laughs> it's fire season in California. Right, I was going to say, this may be interrupted by Juan having to evacuate. <laughs> Could be, actually. The, the, the fire delivery been... service. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's just move on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's Let's look back to... Last week, where Purdue squeezes out a 38-36 win over Iowa, and I think we could agree that the biggest thank you that we should give is to Kirk Ferentz for deciding to go for two early in the third quarter and failing and made him chase points and came back to bite him. Yeah, no, that was, uh, overall, that was a terrible coaching job by Iowa Kirk Ferentz. The, the two-point thing, you know, that happens sometimes. <laughs> But for the second year in a row, Iowa could not adjust to us just running our fast guy down the sideline and throwing it to him. Yeah, uh, it, it, se- it seems shocking. And I, I just love that Brom, the first play of the third quarter offensively for us, he's like, all right, Terry, why don't you just run as fast as you can down the left sideline and we'll chuck it to you. And it worked. Yeah, no, it worked three times. And, uh, yeah, no, it was the exact same thing we did last year. Because Iowa likes to play this sort of, like, they basically kind of play what Michigan State does. They like to play zone underneath and man on the outside. And they were just following Ron Dale around the field. And so Terry Wright just had one-on-one coverage against that slow dude on the other side. And it was all over because Terry Wright is very fast. And, and it worked as Zico, too, for the first touchdown. Yeah. yeah. No, we just sort of exploited just straight down the sideline. Uh, so the safety couldn't get over. It was, you know, brilliant game plan by Brom just to uh, do exactly what we did <laughs> did last year because it worked. Well, here here's also where I've got to give some credit to Brom was with the way that he has helped Purdue recover because this game reminded me a lot of last year's Nebraska game where we have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, and what do we do? We immediately pull the Purdue, uh, give up a touchdown, throw an interception, and off a short field, give up another touchdown to we turn a 12 point lead into a one point deficit. But he I, I'll give him credit. I mean, they didn't falter. They had they had the first drive after the uh, go ahead touchdown. We had to punt. But the defense goes out. They get the stop two yard drive. They take advantage of a short punt and we end up going down and doing what uh, Missouri and Eastern Michigan did to us and just camping out inside the 10-yard line be like, well, we're either going to take away your timeouts or we're going to run the clock down and kick the game-winning field goal, and that's what happened. That was great. 
Yeah, no, great, uh, great, great clock management. I felt like by Brom. I think some people were sort of questioning it in game, but you could tell that's what we, our goal is to kick a field goal with as little time left on the clock as possible. And uh, that's sort of what we did, or that's exactly what we did. Um, so no problems there. Uh, I know Knox almost broke it because he had that 11-yard run uh, on second and three. That would have uh, he, he almost put it in the end zone there, and that kind of would have been nice. But uh, either either way, it was just a really good win. Uh, it was great to come back, and we kind of controlled the game throughout until the uh, until the second interception by Blau. And he wasn't as sharp as he has been. You know, he's got the five picks the last two weeks, but. It's just good to we didn't necessarily play perfect and we still controlled the game against a top 20 team, which was nice. Yeah, no, that was not plow has has not has had some regression, I think, since the Ohio State game. Two really dumb interceptions were just, you know, bad choices again uh, that he made against Iowa. The first one was just he shouldn't have thrown that pass. It was he under he was threw it in triple coverage, and then the second one was just he, sort of a typical plow interception where he just throws it late over the middle, because he doesn't come off his primary receiver, and uh, he gets picked by the linebacker. I think Blau mostly. <laughs> I always feel like Blau only throws interceptions to linebackers for some reason. And so, but uh, hey, he bounced back. He throws throws a great throwing some great deep balls down the sideline uh, when he has time to set his feet and launch it. It looks good. I think more of that, less of throwing it over the middle into double coverage. Some interesting things statistically here. Moore and Knox are on pace to be our first players to have a thousand yards rush, one with a thousand yards rushing, one with a thousand yard season uh, receiving. It would only be the second time we've done that in school history because I believe wow. uh, Gerard Void and John Standifer did that in like 2003. I, that is actually, that is quite surprising i would have thought that at some point we would have got had like uh uh like one of those years Corey sheets was that just one year or and then uh but uh yeah no that's great for uh for knox who is such a lightly regarded prospect coming into purdue he was a guy that hazel sort of snagged at the at the last second out of georgia because everybody thought he was too small and then you know he's coming back off that major knee injury and uh, it looks like he's lost the starting job, and all of a sudden he's the main guy his senior year over a couple guys that came in with uh, you know higher accolades than he did. So uh, good job for GGA Knox. He's had one hell of a career, and really one of those guys that uh, I will say, oddly enough, that Hazel did find some pretty decent hidden gems there. Just not not enough to make a difference overall for the whole team. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Are you giving credit to Hazel for something? I, you know, I do it every every now and then. I, I have to say that he, he found some pretty decent players in strange places, uh, mainly because he had to because none of the normal inroads for recruiting were open for him. But, uh, you know, Pearl finds a nut every now and then, I guess. And you look at somebody like Markel, where he's going to finish his career with 2,500 yards, most of them coming in that first season. I mean, he was... 875, 616, 566, now 346 this year. So his totals in terms of total yardage have gone down every season. But it's not that I don't think he's necessarily playing poorly. I think he's just things are being the way things are developing 
other guys are being used around him a little bit more. Yeah, Markell is always a great athlete. Uh, he relies a lot on his power game to sort of bully uh, bully people. I feel like it, it, it worked if you give him a lot of carries. It eventually works, but it's not a great fit in that Braum offense. He looks for more explosive plays, and that's not really Markell. Yes, he did tear Indiana up last year, though, with I think is definitely, and that's something uh, else happens, his uh, signature game probably at Purdue. Uh, you know, Markell's a good player. He's a, he's a good guy to have on the field. He's a good short yardage guy, a guy you can trust when you hand him the ball. But uh, I just I don't know if he ever really star potential maybe that we either thought he was or, or pushed that he did have. Uh, he always just sort of not had that extra gear. Hard he had to it a little bit as a freshman, I know, because he, he had that really good game at Michigan State, I know. Right, but I think part of it, too, is like coming into this season, or at least even last season, it was more like if you wanted to just run the ball through a bunch of defenders, you gave it to Markel. And if you wanted someone who would find the opening and run down the field, it would be Knox. But it seems like Knox as we mentioned, just kind of like built up quite a bit uh, this season. And he's given us both in a sense. Absolutely. And and, and it's been nice to see too. And, and you know, Markel's going to finish the top 10 in his career uh, at Peru. He's he's right now. He's at 2403 for his rushing yardage on Saturday. He could pass uh, Gerard Boyd for ninth, Corey Rogers for eighth, maybe even Harry Zolborski from 1949, wow, <laughs> for seventh. So, you know, here's a guy that's going to finish probably in the top six, maybe even top five at Purdue. And I don't think you can call that a career disappointing at all. Oh, no, but by no means has Markell had a disappointing career. You know, he's uh, given Purdue, especially in those early years where he was the offense his freshman year, and he's taken a lot of hits. Like I said he's probably lived right up to up to his his potential. Good player, uh, probably not you know NFL caliber, but you know good, solid, all around college football player. So good job for Markel. And, and I'm looking at Knox here too. He could get the top ten. Um, number ten right now is uh, Markel, <laughs> but he could get past uh he could get up in there uh he's about 1700 yards and he could finish over 2000 for his career so you know both of them have just done wonderful and i think they'll be tricky to replace but oh we still have terrio fuller who showed a ton of promise last year yeah no Tario's another guy he's just been sort of lost in the shuffle this year especially with knox playing so well it's hard to and this has sort of been markel's problem too it's hard to take knox off the field right now so unless he's tired i think we've been going with him i thought i think the plan was probably to play a little bit more of a rotation uh with probably you know fuller thrown in the mix as well but but once knox really took off we just you know you gotta keep him in because he could score a touchdown on any play it's weird to say i think dj knox has probably definitely played himself onto like a practice squad possible you know he's sort of displayed that sort of talent this year uh, where he could definitely make an NFL roster uh, or at least, you know, hang out in the practice squad and, and try to earn his way up. Where if you just said that, you know, last year, two years ago, I said, no, probably not that kind of player. But uh, this year, I think he's uh, he's shown that he is a truly elite uh, running back. Absolutely. 
So let's. Uh, we've been talking a lot about our our offensive weapons here, and that's pretty pretty significant as we play Minnesota this weekend. And Minnesota is an absolute disaster defensively right now. I saw. I was looking at. I was watching the scores last week come across, and I was having trouble getting them on my phone. Uh, cell service was exceptionally bad at Ross Aid, but they gave up 55 points to Illinois, which oh. was oh. And looking yeah. at the stats right now, 646 yards oh. by the Illinois by the Illinois offense. And it usually takes Illinois three three games to probably hit that number. To, to give you a comparison, they rushed for 430 against Minnesota <laughs> on 35 carries. On 31 carries, Purdue gave up 69 rushing yards. My to Illinois. God. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they had 18 completions for 216 yards. Purdue had gave up 15 completions for 181 yards. No touchdowns through the air. And a lot of those numbers came after the game was well decided because we won 46 to 7. It yeah. was an absolute meltdown. And both the Minnesota blogs were like, yeah, the defensive coordinator deserved his firing on Sunday. So we have that as a factor where this is the second time under Brom where we are facing a team immediately after they fired the defensive coordinator because that's what Missouri did last year. Yeah, man overboard. PJ just dumped the first one off, made him walk the plank. <laughs> Can you put a plank on a boat? Well, like like a rowboat? I, maybe. I don't I don't see any reason why you can't. <laughs> maybe he just smacked him in the back of the head with a paddle and sort of rolled him out. <laughs> but yeah, it's it just I was I was stunned by that. I'm looking at the Daily Gopher right now, and their sub-headline for the game rep was, Fire Rob Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, the Minnesota defense under, defensive coordinator Rob Smith is a complete and utter failure, understatement. He needs to be fired after the season, season at minimum, but honestly, right now it's fine too. When you're able to make Lovey Smith coach Illinois look explosive on offense all game long, it's time to face facts. So they've got that going for them, at least. Yeah, let's see. What do I have here? I got some stats. They have... They're 91st in total defense this year. Uh, they are 76th in passing yards allowed and 94th in rushing yards allowed. So not a great defensive effort. Strangely enough, they are significantly better than Purdue in passing yards allowed, though. Juan and I were talking about this before you came on. Purdue is 127th in the nation uh, in passing yards allowed this year. Uh, do you know how many teams are in the nation, Travis? 130. Is it 130 or 129? Something like that. Yeah. So Purdue is is at the very bottom of that stat. Which yeah. Considering think, our record, I feel like that's, you know, our record's pretty good when you consider just how bad our pass uh, defense has been. We're just looking like a typical Western Kentucky team under Brom. You know, we just got to outscore the other team. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think there's some other there's some things to consider there. It's like one, we've played some really good passing offenses like Missouri and Ohio State. I know uh uh Martinez put up some pretty good numbers for Nebraska and whatnot. So we we've had some we've faced some tough members on the schedule there, and we've also had some games where we've had the lead, like Ohio State, where the opposing team has had to pass a ton just to catch up. 
And then you look at our red zone defense. That's really the biggest factor right there is they're racking up a lot of empty yards and everything, but we're doing pretty damn well once they get inside the 20. Yeah, no, once they run out of room to outrun us, we do we do pretty well on defense. We, we don't we don't need a lot of space to cover because we're not very fast. So you need to sort of shrink the field. I mean, to be fair, we've played like butt on defense on several occasions this year. You know, I feel like our ability to just hold on enough at, at this point uh, is uh, has been has been pretty good. But I mean, the, the expectations for the defense coming into the season were pretty low, considering everything we had to uh, had to replace. I think next year's defense will be significantly better with a lot of the same players. Uh, well, we have which, zero pass rush from our defensive line. That is very true, which could become a factor tomorrow. But uh, yeah, our pass rush, our defensive ends just—I mean—they're not—they're not getting there. Um, so we're having to rush five or six to uh, to try to get after them, which does leave our sort of undermanned secondary uh, exposed. Our defensive line has five of our twenty sacks. Who's leading us our, to sacks? Is it Bailey or Thieneman? Thieneman leads the team with five sacks. So our starting safety has as many sacks as the entire defensive line. Yeah, that's not, not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, but we get... I, I'm with you, though. We get some studs next year with Fischel and with Karlaftis coming in. I mean, those guys could probably start for us right now. Yeah, I think I think Karlaftis and Hunter, Hunter uh, both might come in and play a significant uh, factor next year uh, in the defensive line rotation, if not as starters, but uh, certainly as guys that come in and give us some uh, pass rush when you need it, uh, which is, uh, you know, we've really, really struggled in that aspect. That's how Minnesota just picked us apart. And sort of Iowa did the same thing where the quarterback drops back and goes to his first read. And then he takes a couple steps to his left and goes to his second read. And then he walks around a little bit, surveys the field a little more. The the thing is, is the defensive line's not been horrid against the run. I mean, Neil and Watts and Revere are decent against the run at least. Yeah, no, I feel like we probably, I think we've kind of just played four run stoppers up front. And that's where uh, we sort of lack that explosion off, off the edge. Even a guy like Shane Larkin gave us a little bit of last year uh, to where we can really sort of threaten that tackle with the speed rush. But uh, no, our, our, our rushing defense has been uh, good. So uh, unfortunately Minnesota likes to pass it a lot or, uh, probably their strength we've got to look out for tyler johnson on saturday because he is eighth nationally in receiving yards right now he's got 57 receptions 875 yards and eight touchdowns um it'll be interesting to see he's a bigger guy i think he's about 6'2 like 200 pounds uh so it'll be interesting how we how we sort of try to match up with him that's going to be of the game is what we do with Tyler Johnson uh, to try and slow him down because he is their their go-to guy. Definitely, and they've got another big receiver on the outside, Rashad Bateman, I see. Both of them 6'2", both of them more than 500 yards receiving, and we could end up in a bit of a shootout here, but it, I don't know, man. That, that defense of theirs just was 55 points to Illinois. I mean, seriously. Yeah, no, that's that's really hard to even fathom that Illinois could score 55 points against anybody, a high school team, 
college co-ed team. The fact that they, I don't think they in practice, they may not score 55 points just against nobody. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I feel like Minnesota, I did not watch that game because it really did not have any sort of appeal to me. <laughs> but I feel like Minnesota must have helped them. They Did they like carry their own, their players down the field or like show them which way to run? Like there's, there's no... I just cannot fathom Illinois scoring 55 points. I I don't know, but they they gave up a ton of big plays, I know, and that that was definitely part of the challenge here. Let me see what some of the scoring plays were for Illinois. Okay, 72-yard run, 72-yard run, 67-yard pass, 77-yard run. So they had three touchdown runs of 70 yards or longer. So what you're saying is they give up a lot of explosive plays. So that does definitely uh, bode well for one of our offense has some of the most explosive plays uh, in the country this year, you know, plays over 20 yards. That's sort of our specialty. Yeah, I could definitely see this getting into a track meet. Um, It'll be interesting to see who Iowa starts at quarterback um, because we've got another sort of Injured, we got an injured starter who may or may not come back in Anikstad, uh, and then you've got the freshman Tanner Morgan who's played uh, in his place for the last four games. Morgan's uh, played well too. Yeah, Morgan's actually outplayed the original starter, so I would be I would be surprised if uh, he's replaced. Um, he's I guess the original starter. And I'm going with Anikstad. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. It, He's at 52% completion percentage, uh, 1,277 yards, nine touchdowns and seven interceptions, and Morgan's 60% completion uh, percentage, 809 yards, five touchdowns and three interceptions. And everybody can tell I did my homework today. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's been some moments with their defense. I mean, this is the only team that's beaten Fresno State. I beat them 21-14 in week two, and that's looking like a really, really good win right now because Fresno State's 8-1. Yeah, I feel like the key to this game is that Purdue just needs to break their will early. I think the longer... If we let Minnesota hang in this game, if the score is close at halftime, uh, you know, we might be in in trouble because they're not a terrible team. I feel like they're pretty decent on offense. Um, They've got some weapons. Um, They've got a couple really good linebackers that could give us some trouble. Um, Blake Cashman and Carter Coughlin. I just feel like they're, they're, they're ripe to be run out of the game early. And if we don't run them out of the game early, they may be tough to beat late. Yeah, and uh, I also think that part of it is that uh, I, I think part of it is that Blau needs that hot start. He we've seen over the past few weeks. If, as long as he gets a touchdown drive in about the first or second drive of the game, he is he is pretty good. Uh, but if he slow if he gets a slow start like he did at Michigan State, we could be in some trouble too. Definitely, definitely. Blau is, uh, you know, he's played kind of uneven performances the last two games. Um, I feel like some teams are sort of baiting him into some throws that he likes to make that he probably shouldn't make. You know, we'll, we'll see. He's either, Blau runs pretty hot and cold. Uh, and last game, he kind of did both. And so we'll see. We really could use a hot Blau here, uh, you know, pick up this win, get us bowl eligible. And then everything else is sort of cake for the second year, especially after our start. Oh, yeah. And uh, speak, speaking of bowl eligible, we'll transition kind of to our final topic of the night. 
uh, we'll be playing for bowl eligibility each of the next three weeks. All we need is one more, and we could be looking at some other bowls out there. Uh, I've got the bowl projections and possibilities up here. Uh, obviously, we're still somewhat alive for the Big Ten West and to go to the Rose Bowl. That's a bit of a pipe dream, but we still could go, and that is the first choice uh, beyond the college playoff, college football playoff semifinal. Uh, next one would be the Citrus Bowl, uh, but they have an agreement for five different teams in six years, so that is a possibility. Uh, everybody's kind of up for grabs there, except for uh, Minnesota and Michigan. Then you have the Outback Bowl which also has five different teams in a six-year period here. So Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Northwestern are kind of off the table there. That's that's a strong possibility. Well, and let's and, not forget that if uh, Purdue goes to the Outback Bowl, we get a chance to win either coconut shrimp or uh, blooming onions. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, coconut shrimp is far superior to the blooming onion there. And I think the Big Ten team, if they win, it's free coconut shrimp. So Nice. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the next selection is out your way, Juan. You might get to go to a bowl game. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Five of different course. teams in six years. They're going to go to a bowl game in California only because I'm scheduled to be out of this out of the state during that time. I can guarantee it. <laughs> uh, uh, but that is Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Michigan State are, have played in that one during this uh, agreement period. Then you have the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Uh, these are a little weird because it's the ACC and the Big Ten sharing this appearances. The Big Ten played in the Tax Slayer in 2015 and then the Music City Bowl in 2016 and 2017. So we're almost likely going to the Tax Slayer there as opposed to the Music City Bowl. And where's that bowl? That is the, that's the old Gator Bowl uh, uh. in Jacksonville. So that would be the third possibility on New Year's Day. Then you have the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, they would prefer to have eight different teams in eight years, so no Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State, or Indiana. That would be played at Yankee Stadium in New York. And I'm kind of looking forward to that one because that opens the door of a Miami-Purdue bowl game for me and Mrs. T. Mill. And how fun would it be to have Purdue play Miami in a cold-weather bowl? Do you think Miami? I guess Miami might, might might make it. They're so terrible, Travis. I'm sorry that you have to watch that football. I they're, well, they're very they bad. They have no idea what they're doing at the quarterback position. No, they do not. They're bad. They're a bad team. Their defense isn't that good either. Well, their defense is fine, but they they can't pick a quarterback. Mark Richt would change quarterbacks mid play if he could. Oh, Mark Richt, the only the only guy that could keep Georgia from winning. <laughs> and then the other the other three bowls uh one of them is out uh the san francisco bowl is no longer the foster farms bowl as juan said before we started recording we are the foster farms bowl champs in perpetuity but their agreement is for five different teams in six years and purdue maryland indiana and nebraska have already played in this one and then the last two are the quick lane bowl which is the detroit bowl which would be interesting if we could play in the Quick Lane Bowl because that would be the same Detroit Bowl under three different sponsors. And then finally, the last one is the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl against Conference USA. Uh, that is the former Heart of Dallas Bowl where Purdue took an unmerciful beating <laughs> at the hands of. I don't know what you're talking about. Purdue at never the hands went. Of Oklahoma State. Purdue never went to the Heart of Dallas Bowl. You know, yeah, it just never was... happened. Didn't happen. I agree. I agree with that one. 
that that was bad. That was oh, that was bad. Yeah, that was a combination of Oklahoma State being like pushed down too far and Purdue being propped up because Penn State and Ohio State were bowl ineligible. It's just a bad combination. And you know, yeah. Hope having been fired and the players not giving a damn at that point. And and you also had uh, Hope in the stands getting awkwardly interviewed, I think, by ESPN <laughs> at one point. Oh, that was just oh, that was a bad day. That was a bad day. <laughs> so where do you want? You want to go to the Pinstripe Bowl, Travis? You want to go play in Yankee Stadium? Is that? A, I, I think that would be an interesting one. Other than that, I, one of the Florida Bowls on New Year's Day would be good for the program. Yeah, do they have? I think they have. Somebody has predicted to play South Carolina. Yeah, I think there was the, one of the latest ones I saw on Big on uh, SB Nation had us in the tax layer against South Carolina. I hope we play South Carolina because beating having Clemson walk South Carolina out of Death Valley and by the end of the, the first half and then having Purdue beat him the next the next game would just be so great for me. <laughs> you have no idea how great, how happy that would make me just to watch both of my teams kick South Carolina's ass back to back. That would just, oh, it's almost too much to think about, really. I don't even, I don't want, I don't want to get my hopes up. That. I, I don't think Drew can stand right. at the moment. Keep, let's keep it PG, fellas. <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, final thoughts uh, before we go away here. What are you guys thinking on Saturday happens in Minnesota? How about you, Juan? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, little preview for my prediction. I said probably the first team to score 35 is the one that's going to end up winning. How about you, Drew? I think it's probably, we're probably in the high 30s. I don't know. I think Minnesota's probably, I think we probably beat them by about 10. Play, say 35, you know, uh, 25, if that's a possible score. I have no idea. That may involve a few safeties. I think we're going to beat them by 10 points, and I think we're going to be in the 30s, and they're going to be in the 20s. I, uh, I tend to think, I tend to agree with you in that if we can get out to a couple score lead early, that it's going to kind of break them. And, but I also know that we're Purdue and I know how well we handle success. And the, the Michigan state game is a little fresh in my mind because that too was a team that didn't have much of a pass defense. And I was thinking, Oh yeah, we can get out there. They don't have much of an offense. We can get an early lead on them and just kind of run away from there. And well, obviously it didn't happen. You think this is definitely a game we should win. At least Michigan state had like a great run defense. You know, True. they had they had a defense. It just averaged it just av- they had a really great run defense and a mediocre pass defense that averaged out to, you know, a good a good defense. Juan, you know, Travis is just doing his wet blanket shtick right now. You know that's his that's his his fallback uh Oh yeah, I know. I, so. I'm, but I can't take it anymore. No. Just, <laughs> someone's got to stop it. <laughs> Navel-gazing sports take. Well, I, I've been a Purdue fan a very, very long time, and I just, I just, I've seen it before. And that's why I was pleasantly surprised last week oh, that we came back and won go. the game. <laughs> it, it's a different era now. We, we've, we've got Brom. And, you know, who gives a crap if we give up 35 points a game as long as we score 36? That's all that matters to me. There you go. All right. Well, we thank you for listening. We apologize for getting this out a little bit later this week, but we're looking forward to a double header on Saturday as we also get Purdue basketball against Ball State. And as a warning, I am firing up the upset alert siren on that one because Ball State kind of scares me. But we'll. Uh, uh, upset alert, Travis is also a wet blanket. 
<laughs> well, a double the, wet blanket alert. This is the football podcast, so let's not talk about basketball. <laughs> all right, all right. But uh, so for Juan, for Drew, and myself, uh, we thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week here on the Hammer and Ales podcast.